Sometimes we get stuck in our ideas and creations, not knowing the next step. We all have so much creativity to offer, but can get tied in knots with decisions and the need for approval. EM2 Connects Business is to help you get untangled and discover your creative identity and vision. Emily Martin and Elizabeth McDonald are the creators behind EM2. As ideators and performers, they have sung and taught worldwide. In the past few years, too many artists have asked them, what do I do next? What was their answer? Their answer was EM2 Connect. They are raising the collaboration to the power of two and on a mission to support, connect, educate, and inspire the arts community. From one-on-one coachings to creative collectives, they have the tools to help you make sense of your creativity. Head to their website at www.em2connect.com. That's www.em2connect.com to learn more about how you can build the creative world you want to live in. Welcome to season four of My So-Called Opera Life, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers. After three seasons of incredible conversations, the podcast has grown and changed much like ourselves. We're still on a mission to connect, inform, inspire, and empower musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Because as we continue to hear from you and watch the opera industry struggle to change and grow, community, connection, and transparency are as important as ever. We're here to spill the tea on the inner workings of the opera life, to celebrate the artists who unapologetically create amazing, non-traditional paths for themselves, and to inspire each other to sing freely, make art truthfully, and to work fearlessly for a more equitable industry. I'm Elise. And I'm Marcel. And we're two sopranos currently living our best so-called opera lives. Great. Okay. (laughs) All right. Wow. We're recording in the new studio. In the new studio, um, which you got a taste of in the last episode um, in the intro. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we're super excited about our upgraded sound. Yay. Yes. Very great mics and um, very exciting. We are almost done with season four. I know. I don't know how we got here so fast. (laughs) I I think like it went fast and also, but then if you remember when we started recording those interviews, like, oh, that was a while ago. Yeah. We were recording what in October? I can't even remember. Is that, is that right? I think yeah, October, November we recorded and um, because Katrina was talking about some Christmas upcoming things. Yeah. That's Um, right. That's right. Yeah. 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 We did good. We did do good. I feel way less stressed out than I have in previous seasons, I feel like. Oh my gosh, yeah. Only for <laughs> these these um update ones with us do we go like, "Oh god, we got to record." <laughs> no. <laughs> we forgot. We have to do that for us. <laughs> I mean, it's always so lovely just like talking to other folks in the opera space because, you know, certainly other perspectives are so valuable because we each only live in the world the way we see it. And so I really value being able to hear from different people, kind of like their trajectory and the way that they're viewing the industry. And, you know, I know I was just so I'll share this. I I just did a concert this weekend and um, it was like someone came up to me afterwards and he was like, I felt like I was in the old days or something. Like, I forget if that's how he said it, but he felt like it was like from another time. And like, I, I sort of got what he was saying and I, I did too. It was like, it was a small church community, 
packed house. Great. Long concert with a lot of like traditional songs um, and very just like a, a traditional concert and like a long one too. Okay. Like two hours or something. Wow. That's a long concert. It's so long. And like sometimes it's like eye roll, right? Like, oh, this long concert with songs that like are all the same. But it felt like pre-pandemic times. It felt like right. it was almost refreshing because and, – and, and it wasn't eye roll because everybody was just like having a fabulous time. Like right. everyone right. was loving it. Right. Everyone was loving the music. You can hear people singing some of these – tunes that are so recognizable i did the flower duet and just people were just like oh yeah i like that you know like yeah. they just it was oh. so just like cozy and like heartwarming you know yeah. oh i love that <laughs> actually this is reminding me of a meme i saw this week that was like sorry jesus you gotta move over bc now stands for before covid <laughs> oh. <laughs> When you said, like, it feels like in the before times, I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a whole vibe now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to like be in a space with other humans singing acoustically and getting to experience people singing acoustically. Yeah. And um, there's just a different type of connection that happens when there's not like a screen in between. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and it was a reminder to me that we're going to talk about collaboration today and like that was just like the simplest form of collaboration. And like, cause we were there sharing and being, and we were truly connecting. There were people sing that I was singing with that I knew there were some that were new to me, but everybody was like there and with us and not sleeping in the back or this empty room or whatever. Like, even though it was this traditional thing, we didn't even speak in between the songs. We didn't share what they were about. We just sang this music that we picked that we loved you know mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and you could just feel that everyone was just kind of there like there was just this like silence after I sang like this one song like where it doesn't end with like a like a chord you know yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just like this like just like you know it's... that is my favorite <laughs> moment when I'm performing it's like finishing something and like the audience is holding their breath because they're hoping you're going to keep singing. Yeah, it's it's so cool. And and my earring fell off in the middle of that song. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this really heavy, beautiful earring. I had I never worn them. <laughs> yeah. And it was like I, I caught it and I was like afterwards joking around like it was ruining my moment, you know, it was like kind of ruining the moment. But it was another way of like being authentic, like on accident, but yeah. like being just, just like being present. Yeah. Here we are. The earring falls and everyone's with everyone was with me and everyone was like, she's going on. And she's, oh, you know, it's like, <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And I was um, talking after the concert with, um, so the person that organized it works at Marywood university as a voice professor and, um, their, her students came and, um, they were all like, oh, great job. And, you know, we were talking about the earring and the blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I was like, you know, it's just, it's so crazy that, and I take for granted sometimes that singers learn how to like go into a random place that they never have been probably. There's like some people they know, some people they don't know, maybe they don't know anybody. Yeah. And like, wear this outfit that maybe they haven't worn. Like I hadn't worn any of that stuff before. <laughs> like I didn't know my earring was heavy and it was going to come off. Like, right. 
and I practiced them songs like each one time. I stayed in somebody else's house the night before that it was unfamiliar to me. And I just like sing these art like and I just perform in front of like a hundred people or whatever, yeah. whatever or more. Yeah. And that's really hard. It is really hard. <laughs> it takes a lot of resistance because we're like as humans, we are so, so much more comfortable in things that are familiar and routine. And literally our whole job is not routine. <laughs> yeah, it's not routine. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing routine about our job. Yep. Um, which is part of why I love it because routine sometimes to me feels like I hate routine. It it trap I feel trapped by it. Yay, neurodivergence. Um because <laughs> when I do have a routine, I also feel grounded by it, but yeah. also trapped. <laughs> yep. It's a strange thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um <sighs> but yeah, so we want to talk about collaboration today. Um, because I think this is a question. I still like I've created collaborative projects with other musicians and every time I have to make a new one I'm like how do we how do we do this is there a better way to do this what are the different ways to do this yeah you know and in a the reality of our industry right now is that especially if you're a soprano right there is more more singers than there's work for mm-hmm. you know at the established houses and you know we're still dealing with the gender parity issue of like 75% of auditioning singers are sopranos and I think only like 30% of the roles yeah. in the standard repertoire are for... Which you can listen back to one of our episodes on about that more. Uh, actually, I think it's the talk is on our Instagram. Oh, with, I we had an episode. With Dana. And okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a... There was a whole... We had a whole conversation that we posted on our Instagram in 2021, I believe. Okay. So, um, you know, like... We need to make our own opportunities yeah. in order to keep working on our craft while we are kind of between gigs. Yeah. And also know? it's it's fun and exciting and, and collaboration is, I think, what most musicians, I mean, all musicians, I think that's, that's what, what they we love. Crave. We, that's, yeah. Because the collaboration is just connection. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's wonderful to, and I think it's, it's a great to also put it in this frame, it's a great opportunity to explore for yourself, mm-hmm. to to play, to to create in in a way that somebody else isn't telling you how to do it. It it enhances your artistry, it enhances your collaboration skills, it enhances your confidence. Right. Not only in the ability to create a project, but also the ability to be an artist in the room with the voice. Right. And to feel empowered to like use your whole voice and not be beholden to a larger organization that might not agree with your voice. Exactly. Which happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. You don't, you're not in the room with the conductor that's telling you like, you can't breathe here. You know, you're in a room with other people that are really on your, whether you feel they're on your level or not, that's not the right word, but they're there to work with everybody in the room. Right. And make something and not like have this sort of delineation, which I think is valuable in, in a setting with a, you know, an opera's huge. Right, right. And these collaboration spaces are more intimate. Yeah. And I I remember make I produced my first recital in 2016 and I did an Allophilia recital. And I just remember walking away from that experience feeling so empowered and much more clear about at that time, like what I wanted to say as an artist. Um, because like it you know, like it was not lost on me that there was no one who was gonna tell me 
how to dramatically interpret the pieces or I had to make all the decisions, which can also feel super overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, But it's also like, again, it's just very empowering to be able to do that for yourself and to like learn to trust like, no, I I have good instincts Mm -hmm. and I have good taste and I can I can trust that more than I feel like we're often conditioned to actually do sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I specifically wanted to ask Elise about your um, – so you did a collaborative project for the start of your Creative Becoming pro- community that you've been working on. Um, and it was such a cool concert. It included multifaceted artists, composers, instrumentalists – a lot of the pieces were composed for the event um, or were new compositions. And, um, you know, as, as an audience member, I thought you did such a beautiful job putting the program together. And then, of course, like as an admin, I was like, okay, so I want the nitty gritty. Like how, how did you get everyone to sign on to the project? What did, for me, the thing is always like, what did compensation look like? Mm-hmm. You know, because I think that's the piece that like scares everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, before you even get started, you're like, I have no money. Feel, that's How the first do I? Period. Right, exactly. And if you're waiting for ticket sales, oh, excuse me. If you're waiting for ticket sales, then you know that's a scary thing, and and not everybody can be put in that risk. And I actually was able to put myself in that riskier position, um, and didn't make income from the project in the end, and was able to do it anyway. And for me, it was like. I had this idea that I really wanted to try and just started telling people about it and uh, people were excited about it. So I wanted to have, like you said, like different types of artists be a part of it. So I wanted like a visual artist to tell the story. I wanted musicians to be a part of the curation of the program, um, like pieces that have inspired them. So the theme was creativity and uh process um so i wanted the musicians to be able to share like how they how they've been inspired by pieces or how they collaborate or anything like that and then i wanted poets to also be involved <sighs> yeah so what else um so i had us all meet together so i just reached out really honestly to to friends i think well i was going to say as you get older like you have more network, which is true, but I don't want to make people think like you have to have this wide network, like just like pick people you like to work with, you know, or that you want to work with too. You know, even on our last episode, Katrina was like, she started EPOP. She asks her friends. She just happens to have really talented friends friends, and so do I. (laughs) So it's great. (laughs) But if you are surrounding yourself, you know, we have encounter talented people all I mean, the time. Yeah. If you're in opera, you're, you are surrounded by talented people. Yes. <laughs> so, so I just asked them and they sort of joined the, the program in good faith. And I told them that I was working on grant funding and, um, that I would let them know as the project went on, like where that landed. And, and they said, fine. Cool. Yeah. So there were some people that we had, speci- I had specific arrangements with, from the beginning, the visual artist, it was just like a specific arrangement about pay and it was a generous, you know, offer for, for them. And they do this kind of work. Well, they don't do programs per se, but like they do curated, like beautiful, like they've been, they've done wedding invitations and, um, right, right, right. And like, just kind of, it was like 
it was exciting to her and it was manageable. So she printed them and then they got stolen the day of. I know. That was such a shame. Which is such a bummer. And she felt so bad. And I like, of course I felt like bad, but like not that bad. It's all about, pro- the whole thing was about process and creativity. And that was another thing that I. I mean, and part of the process is that sometimes things go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you just have to deal and like no one missed the programs. I mean, except for like me and Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> we yeah. knew how I was like, like- <laughs> I honestly like, because there were elements of the, of the show that like actually required audience participation on some level, I was actually really grateful to not have something in my hands. Yeah. So I could be fully present in the participatory things. Yeah. So the other person that I had from the beginning was um, the admin. She, um, admin person, I'm like hesitating on the word because she did multiple things for the concert, but Mm -hmm. I knew I needed help with deadlines for grants. I knew I needed help with keeping communication going and answering questions and just making sure that the details were not being missed, just having another set of eyes and Admins are the unsung heroes of <laughs> the production world. <laughs> Seriously. So, and then she's, she's in singer. Um, she's newer to Philly and um, she wanted the opportunity to participate creatively as well. Cool. So she like helped me a little bit with the ideas of the flow of the concert. She picked the order of the concert. She wound up singing on one of the pieces, which, so the pieces that were created for the show I wanted them like to be created like with creativity in mind. So, and like with process and like this particular show in mind, Mm -hmm. pretty much. I mean, every piece is different and every piece in this show is different, but Evan did a really fabulous piece that was really inspired by what he, what he like discovered by meeting us all, you know? Right. Right. And that's why we wound up with, like the spatial piece with the downstairs piano and a singer downstairs, a flute in the middle staircase. Yeah. And then a singer and a pianist upstairs. It was such a cool effect. And it was totally like organically inspired by being together in a room. And like, for me, that's something that I, I think that I do well and I, and I really love doing. And I just like, I don't know what, more words to say about it but like bringing people together collaboratively and like giving people an opportunity to think beyond think about what they do and think beyond the job right think right, right. think about possibility and what happens when we stop limiting ourselves essentially yeah. so i was like really really happy and and then yeah just just reach out to my network to find like a poet that i had never worked with tracy williams amazing poet amazing person I think like collaboration and doing these kinds of things like this is actually like one of the first episodes we ever had on the on the podcast with um Amelia Mm. how like she said and this is so true like ask people for things and you'll be surprised what they want to give right and I feel like that's what Katrina said too yeah and then also reminds me of my five millionth time of recommending The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. Because <laughs> it's like her whole book is about that, that that's like the guiding principle. And her artistic life is just like, how do I invite people into my art and into my process? And, you know, like, I think there are a lot of, I think sometimes we forget about like 
I don't know. I feel I'll, I'll speak personally. I I I never want to take for granted having an audience. Mm. You know, because it's like a collaboration with them too. Like mm-hmm. they're the last piece of that puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. And there are so many things that people could be doing with their time. And I'm always just like so in such odd gratitude that they chose to spend to to share their time and to open their heart to what I had like musically to share with them. Like mm-hmm. they could have picked a thousand things yep. <laughs> else to do, um, you know, and like what and just like what a gift that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the more fully we can en- like engage them through that sense of appreciation for them wanting to share this this work we do with them. Yeah. I think like really I think that's the future mm-hmm. of our art form. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and this concert that I did was uh um sort of like welcome to this space and welcome to this community that I want to, you know, build um that's like about creativity and a connection. And so that was kind of an introduction to that and so even though I didn't like make money on this concert, it's led to future collaborations and more people coming and learning about this space. And so it was great. It was right. a success. Well, I'm curious. So you you personally didn't like make a profit, but were you able to pay the collaborators who worked with you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. did. That's Some really of them cool. did not get paid okay. also. So, so it was a mix. Some people needed... I asked, sort of asked everyone and and we had different communication about that. And that's right now, that's sort of where I'm at with projects. I'm working on being able to have advanced funding, but with like projects that I have now and that project, it was kind of like, I'm working on this. Like, tell me what kind of what you need. Tell me what's your, tell me what's your range. Tell me what's possible for you. And so, um, through the ticket sales and some grant funding, I was able to pay the people that needed to get paid. And, and yeah, that's really cool. So there's a lot of like local grants and I'm working right now on, on, I'm actually, so my, my next goal is to like get that advanced funding sooner. And, um, I mean, I ideally love to even make concerts free for at least some people. Like, right. I'd, I'd love to, Right now I'm offering, and I'm trying to clarify this, but I am currently offering for everything I offer have like tiered pricing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that it's not just like, this is the price, but it's, I just, I've seen that more and I love that. Like, yeah, yeah. Because some people can pay more or are willing to pay more than others. Right, right. You know? I mean, even just the, um, the model of, you know, this is a, the suggested donation you know yeah. or like suggested ticket price but if you can't you know like leave it leave it a little more open-ended I, yeah I for found, exactly that reason exactly and I found like a stronger way for me of trying to demonstrate this because like I never really like I was kind of like anti the suggested donation thing I, I never even really said this out loud but I'm sort of realizing it now like I think because it was kind of like a lot of times in the arts it feels like oh we've already we've already done this all, but if you want to like, if you want to contribute, it's very um, vague. It's vague about like, are these artists actually being paid? Right. It's like, what, what do you, what is this money for? Is this, is this you know? extra, extra on the top for them? <laughs> yeah, like, like what? What is this a tip? I don't get it. Yeah. So I started like, and I'm working on offering this more, but like, for example, chill choir that I'm doing, it's like, I have like a pay what you can link, but really at the bottom at the, in the link, it says like, this is a fee for a chill choir for the whole thing. And it's based on a rate of this much per per session. 
that being said, like, please pay what you can and don't let, you know, don't let finances get in the way of you participating. Right. And it's very clear, like, this is what it costs. Right. Because I think some people with privilege can be like, oh, well, I'm just going to pay the more minimum. Like, I'm not going to pay. I'm going to pay the little amount. And it's like, you're holding people to a standard of like, no, this is like what it costs, but that shouldn't prevent anybody from joining us. So right. if you can afford it, please pay the please. actual what it's worth. And I've done some other workshops where it's been like different, where but similar idea where it's like anywhere from zero to $100. And it's like, if you're $100, you're like, you are amazingly supporting this for what it's valued at. And then like 75, you're, you're, you're a great supporter. 50, you're a friend, like, and everybody's included, but you're, you're sort of making sure to say like what it actually costs, you know, and it's like a random suggestion, you know? Right. Right. (laughs) No, I really like, I like that framing a lot, actually. Um, Beth Morrison projects in New York city for their shows, they have great collaboration. They have tiered ticket prices and essentially, and then they also still have a box on the, you know, and and most of these are in like intimate venues. So where you sit doesn't matter. Like paying more isn't going to get you a different seat. Like, and they make that very clear. Like, you know, you can pay 30 or 40 or $50 for a ticket. And, um, and then they still always have, you know, a box that's like, if you feel inclined to give an additional donation, all of these funds go directly to support our artists here. You can pay more if you're able, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I really love that too. Like, cause I think, you know, scarcity mindset around money mm-hmm. is still so prevalent. Um, and like, is also like very contingent on like your family of origin and how they talked about money. Yeah. And like money for me has always been like a really uncomfortable topic, Same. you know? And so, <laughs> you know, like getting to this place of like, no, like I, I wanted to say, actually, I, when I came through the door and had to pay the ticket price, I was so impressed <laughs> that you didn't shortchange the value of your concert because tickets were set at 30, $30, yeah. you know, and I feel like most often folks are like 10, yeah, 15, I know. something. And I was like, no, like I'm going to give you two hours of my time. And like, there were snacks and drinks and, yeah. you know, like. $30 is what your time and preparation is worth. Absolutely. Thank you. Because there were other people that were like, like not happy, but I just like... I spend more going to the movies. Exactly. It's, it's <laughs> so important to, I think, just get away from the traditional concert suggested donation, $10, $5, $15. Like, that's not what the concert costs. I mean... And, and, and it should be, like I said, more, if it is $5, it should be like, people should know, like, this is what this is covering. Like, we're able to do this because X, Y, Z. Right. Like, you're, you you know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Well, and and also to, you know, um, do a circle back to what we were talking about at the very, very beginning, like the suggested donation in the before COVID times was $10 Mm -hmm. and costs of living have gone up by what, like 30% or something crazy. Um, depending on where you live and we're still asking for the same suggested donation like we need to value our own work friends (laughs) yeah yeah we are thrilled to have the sparkle twins as continuing sponsors for season four sharice and sharicia williams are identical twin sopranos from brooklyn new york who began their business by creating customized swarovski crystal covered shoes for their fellow divas 
their business expanded pre-COVID to include mouth masks for musicians. In addition to protecting yourself from unwanted germs and conversations, the masks have cute phrases on them like, keeping my germs to myself, or I am on vocal rest. To check out their full line of products, visit www.sopranotwins.com forward slash shop and follow them on socials at The Sparkle Twins. So it's easier said than done. Yeah. I'm totally, will be the first to be like, yep, I undervalue my work. All the time. Yeah. (laughs) All the time. And I'm so uncomfortable (laughs) talking about money. It's actually something that I'm like working on and and the $30 thing and and a lot of what I... um, what that concert was a culmination of was um, some work and some help from a person outside of music who does marketing and was like used to work for a big um, a big company. I'm so like I'm so not even sure what it was. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> some big company, um, corporate, yeah, whatever, corporate blah. So she um, she didn't even scoff at. 30 she would like and she like really helped she she worked as in capacity with me as a branding coach so as a coach she like was able to help me like define how I want to for do that tiered pricing and who I want to be in the room and it was simple like she wouldn't blink about $30 and like in terms of pricing it wasn't like let's analyze all the things it's just like what do you think this should be what is this worth right period done you know so right. you're in charge of that and like you want to feel good about that. But right. um, I just wanted to give that like shout out, I guess. And like and just like exp- I'm not like comfortable about money and she's helped me with that a lot. And I'm still working on it. And and just to share my experience working with someone outside of music mm-hmm. has really been invaluable. Right. Because she's probably not like limited by the assumptions she has no idea what the assumptions are that a lot of us come into the room with about like what we can do and what's normal and exactly which is like very refreshing sometimes yeah you know and I've been doing certainly collaborative work with my company prismatic though you know a lot of the stuff we had on the docket got delayed because of my voice surgery and I wish we were further along with some of our projects than we are but I'm just trying to like roll with it because that's what you have to do as an artist. Perfectionism yes. is the enemy of actually getting things done. But I love <laughs> I love um the ensemble and the idea and your ideas and like I wanna know about the um collaboration with B and Felix, the video with Matt. Right, with nice dances. Yeah. Um so night dances I think is on my is on my website right now. So if anyone wants to check it out. So essentially what we did, because we were in the middle of the pandemic, we decided to like our whole, our whole foundational approach to creating this little, our little ensemble between the three of us was that we're, the three of us are really interested in art song repertoire, but we're also not particularly excited by the idea of like the traditional recital format. What, who are the three of you are? Matt. Oh, so it's Matt Mezzano, who has been on the on the podcast before, um, Mark Loria, who is a collaborator of mine, he's the organist at the cathedral and also an incredible, incredible pianist and conductor in his own right in the contemporary classical music world. And then me. (laughs) Um, and so the three of us also love immersive theater. And so like, we kind of had this harebrained scheme of like, well, what would happen if we started to 
like kind of create these, not always like a pastiche program, pulling different, like not necessarily doing a full cycle of something, but like pulling a piece and then creating like a different storyline using different pieces and then like creating immersive experiences for our audiences so they can just engage in this work in a different way and in a way that feels more accessible to an audience that is used to like film. Like we are very used to, we think about acting and we think about um, storytelling and, you know, for most people, film is the way that Mm -hmm. they experience, you know, an art form that's like similar to Mm -hmm. ours, right? And so stories. Yeah. It's so storytelling is very intimate, even though it's on your TV. And like, I feel like the art song repertoire has that intimacy Mm -hmm. kind of built into it because it isn't built for this giant opera house with, Mm -hmm. you know, emotional pyrotechnics and real pyrotechnics (laughs) and elephants on the stage. Um, Like it is, it's been necessarily written for these like more intimate spaces, you know, and it's just like, how do we, I think all three of us are we kind of like don't like being confined by boxes. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it's like, how can we kind of start to push push the walls a little bit? And like, what does it look like to explore um, different avenues of working with this repertoire? So because we were in the pandemic, we were like, well, let's do a film project. But we didn't want to do what everyone else was doing, which was like, I'm going to sing a song recital in my living room and Yes, living room concert. Living room concert. And I did a couple of those, like right. as group muses, and those were were really nice. Um so we commissioned an art song cycle from Felix Gerard. And I was like, just write what brings you joy. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it was 2020 and we were all Yeah. Not joy. <laughs> there was not a lot of joy. <laughs> um so he wrote this incredible, affirming, powerful piece about a woman who uh, cannot find um, a lover. And she decides that the ideal lover is a vampire. (laughs) So she seeks out a vampire lover to then turn her into a vampire. Um, Like, it's just like all about like empowerment and owning her sexuality. Um, And it's also like got some queer tropes in it and some non-monogamy. It's kind of like a classical wet ass pussy essentially like it's a like the one song is definitely all about oral sex (laughs) and how much she enjoys it and if you're not going to give her good oral sex mm, i'll look elsewhere (laughs) um and it's just like it's this beautiful like crossover of like like the absurdity of like the vampire tropes that I am obsessed with that literature yeah. anyway. So it was perfect. And then we paired it with Juliana Hall's Night Dances, which is a collection of songs um, based off of poems, all by uh, American women poets, and are about like the different the different ways we view the night. The night is scary, the night is whatever. So And did did um did B write the word, the text? No, no Felix, she just did Felix the- wrote the text. So we, oh, we engaged okay. B to be our stage director. Okay. Um, because I was like, I don't know anything about how to make a pretty picture. Well, it was great. It was great. Like, and you're, you're on film too. So it's so different. So it was so interesting because what we decided to do was like to pre-record the audio and then like lip sync. Um, which gave us like a lot more creative freedom about what we could do using camera and lighting and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, because we didn't have to worry about like what's the acoustic space like? Can we record 
the can we film and sing at the same time mm-hmm. and like make sure the sound is good and I like that just would have been an impossibility particularly with like the fact we everyone was still kind of like in little quarantine pods yeah. etc cetera, etc cetera. and for me as an just like on an artistic level because I was on film everything needed to be scaled down in terms of my acting choices mm. and I had the opportunity to play with like a much more subtle you know kind of like physical expression that you know, in a big house just wouldn't read to the back of the room. And so, you know, like, because the camera's right there, mm-hmm. it was really fun to get to, you know, just kind of play on a totally different level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to also then in the recording process to be very clear also about the dramatic intention, because I still, you know, as a vocal artist, primarily wanted to be sure that even if someone closed their eyes, the intention of the f- what was happening on film was still clear in the music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like really start to play with different vocal colors and things, which was a little harder to do um, just because like I was at that point, like starting to deal with the, um, the vocal, the mass on yeah. my voice. That was, it was like, that was like the start of it, like starting to interfere with my actual singing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we, we like Mark and I had done a couple of group muses and made a few hundred dollars doing them. And so when we started to put night dances together, you know, we went into the project being like, you know, we have some funding. We don't need to be paid. Matt was fine not being paid. Um, you know, and we were like with that funding and then whatever ticket sales, like we would pay B and we would pay Felix. And then anything that we made beyond that would go into you know, into the company, essentially, just to like help us get started once we got out of the pandemic, you know, and and I did, I had to, I asked friends who were actually outside, some of them are outside of the music world, you know, they're professionally not musicians, but like we're in choir or whatever. And, you know, just everyone was sitting at home with nothing to do. So I was like, I need admin help. Is anyone willing to help? And friends of mine were like, oh my God, I've always wanted to engage in like doing some kind of help in the arts sector outside of just being an audience member. And so like people stepped up and, um, you know, at that point it was just a volunteer effort, but I was so thrilled, you know, like I shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. People want to be engaged. Um, you know, it's like the same reason why tabloids exist. Like people still buy tabloids because they want to feel connected to the people they see on screen. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, um, unfortunately tabloids are deeply, um, (laughs) Uh, exploitative. Uh, <laughs> so not advocating for that, yeah. but, um, you know, people really wanted to help and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm just trying to take that as a, as a lesson going forward. You know, I, it's hard for me to ask for help, Same. you know? And so like, just to remember, no, like people, I'm not inconveniencing people. Yeah. Folks know how to say no if they don't have the time and like, that's okay if they say no. Right. <laughs> well, it was a great, I thought great um, first like collaboration for Prismatic, not your Thank first you. one, but the video was so great, so different. It was definitely not like the traditional concert that we were seeing during the pandemic, which like it's just variety. I mean, it's it, something unique. It's nothing to dig on other people and their collaborations or other types of collaboration, but it was just really unique and well done and and clearly thought out and then you also had like didn't you have like a um so it was recorded so you could have just like 
put on the internet and like let people see it but you had like a drink you had like an unveil yeah. you had an event right yeah we had a whole event and, and I love the drink so I have to like <laughs> have to talk about the drink the drink like. was really good so one of the people who stepped up was a friend because like our our concept really was to try to recreate for people like the feeling of having gone out to the theater because there was no theater there was nowhere to go <laughs> We were stuck at home and it was getting old. It was January of 2021 at that point. And so it's like, how, how close can we get to like a night out? Yeah. Um, and so one of the friends of ours who stepped up was a friend of ours who's also a musician, but she is a very passionate amateur mixologist. And um, so she crafted a cocktail. She actually crafted a couple of cocktails. She made a cocktail specific and then a mocktail option for folks who are sober um, or didn't feel like having a drink that night. And um, she also made a, a snack to pair. Mm. So we shared the recipes for those things yeah. ahead of the show. And then um, we did like a live session with the mixologist where like we all mixed the drinks together, yeah. which was really fun. And we had a talk back with the composers and the performers and the poet or well, not the poets, but Felix was one of the poets, but um, the composers and performers and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, and it was, it did feel, it felt the closest to like and yeah, I mean, being in the room. Well, yeah. And at the time <laughs> it was like, everything was new and everything was weird. And now looking back, it's like hindsight and being more calm about the whole situation. It was like, it was connection. It was like a community. It was a, a way to make something special really. And not just be like, oh, I made this video because I'm like, I'm not singing anything else right now. And like, right. and that's not what it was about. It was about some, it was about, you know, way more than that and, and way deeper and way more, um, like of a sharing experience. Well, and ultimately like, yes, our day-to-day -day life as singers, a lot of it is in a vacuum. Like we're in our room practicing by ourselves, short of lessons and coachings or when, when we're finally on a gig, you know, but like truly this art form doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like it's all about collaboration. Um, and I missed it. Mm -hmm. I had, I was just like so desirous of getting a group of people together and throwing our, yeah. throwing our ideas in the middle and like seeing what cool thing we could come up with. And it was cool. And we didn't even say that like B was in LA, yep. right? Yep. So some people were not even like in the room with you creating or in the same state. Like no, a lot it, of times. The only people in the same room together were Mark and I. Yeah. Um, because we had been like our little in a this quarantine pod through this whole time. You know, Matt, they were at home at their home. We did not see them at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Felix was in New York, B was in LA. <laughs> so like you know, like just picture the scene, like part of it was like filmed in my kitchen. And so we had like B on Zoom on my laptop on a music stand and then my we were using my iphone as our camera and so like that's on a tripod and so she can see what the camera is seeing mm -hmm. through the, the 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 phone screen mm -hmm. and like she's like mm, yeah on the phone like it was like this very weird <laughs> meta like, like thing it was yeah so so meta <laughs> you know so like we're trying to like frame the shot and she's like you know oh can you move the camera a little farther to the left okay yeah yep yep that's it and so like we definitely did like a a tech rehearsal of just like kind of figuring out where the, how the shots needed to be composed. Yeah. Spiking everything so we could so recreate funny. it the next day. Spiking in like, your kitchen. <laughs> like, you know, but I'm like really proud of us for yeah. kind of like going out. And then we used green screen for the first time and Matt created yeah. this incredible world. He did so good. For the, for the night dances piece specifically, you know, and, oh, there was another point I wanted to make. 
and it disappeared. It's okay. Well, it, it was come back. It was really good, and something that I like was thinking about as we've been talking about our projects and how we make them come to light. Like when you have a desire and you have an idea, that's like a special thing to share with people. And mm-hmm. people, like you said, you can ask people and people can say no, but the right people will say yes. Right. And right. and it's not doing them a favor. It's not doing you a fa- It's no favors. It's like, it's a special thing to come together. And like, unfortunately, I feel, and I hate to like, whatever, like, I don't want to be negative, but like, unfortunately, like for some reason, like classical musicians feel like we're always constantly in this space of like doing people favors or like feeling like we're asking for a favor when we're really asking for collaboration. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't like happen in a lot of other art forms, I think. You know, even the concert that I did was about creativity and I like wrote this letter to myself (laughs) that I basically that I shared with the whole audience though. And it was just like, you are creative whether or not you realize it or not. Because I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, including myself. And there was like one of the collaborators is not in the classical space at all. And um, it was shared like third, third party or whatever, but like sort of like, wow, like you guys really struggle. Like you guys, the classical musicians like really have this hard like thing going on in their heads. And like for her, it's just like about like for them, it was just about art. <laughs> like it's like a gift, you know? And right. Right. I think you like I hope people listening, like it's it's can maybe start framing things that way or thinking about that and and knowing that like it may seem like the two of us like <laughs> I don't know what like are have it together but we have the same struggles and like we just have this I had we each had this idea that we felt we felt strongly enough about to execute and figure it out. Right. Everything is figure outable. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't read that book, but like I've heard it's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, yes, yes. Most things are figure outable. Uh, I think, again, I will not speak generally, but speak for myself. I often find myself apolog- like feeling apologetic when I tell people that I'm an opera singer. Mm. Because there is kind of like this negative stereotype against opera in kind mm-hmm. of our cultural consciousness, mm-hmm. right? Like the lady with the Viking horns and, you know, like, oh, yeah. it's loud and it doesn't make any sense. And what are they even talking about? And, you know, and yeah. and like, and the realities of there are negative things in opera that like we're still struggling to deal with as a community, you know, and like trying to figure out how to be stewards of the art form and do harm reduction. And then also like, but not also like a race a reality of yeah. the art form um you like i know i'm like oh yeah i'm an opera singer like yeah. instead of being proud of it i'm like well, a little I- embarrassed of what people might think or you know or also i'm like just always shy about like this questions that feel annoying to me <laughs> about what that actually right, means. what it means well it's so it's two things that i think thought of when you said that are like it, it comes back to what i what we what you were saying before in this way though like at least be clear. Um, <laughs> there is this narrative that is true that classical music and opera specifically like audiences are dwindling. People don't care. Like it's a constant conversation and there's a lot of work to be done for widening audiences and increasing the numbers, period. And that's, 
you know, one thing that's important to think about. And there's a lot of different ways, I think, to work on that. And then there's another thing of like an, a positive, I guess, spin is like when you tell someone you're an opera singer, they're either going to be like not interested and like sort of like have nothing to say about it. And you mm-hmm. can immediately like feel the energy or they're going to be super into it and like excited, even if they don't know what it means or they ask weird stuff or they just don't even like what, you know, but they are going to have one of these two responses and like, yeah. Most people are like, that's so cool. I've never met an opera singer. (laughs) And like, it's just like an opportunity, like in the way of what I, to bring it back to what you were saying of like, some people are going to say no, but the right people are going to say yes. And as soon as somebody has like a, 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 like a yes, like, oh my God, like, let me know when you're singing again, like get that person's number and let them know when you're singing again and make art for them and like work on, you know, broadening audiences as well. But I think that's like can be really overwhelming to be like everyone. <laughs> like right, my favorite meme. You're like meme you're like trying pandemic. to you're trying to solve all the problems all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, like you gotta you gotta talk to people. You it's that stupid saying if you're talking to everybody, you're talking to nobody. Like, who are you talking to? Like, talk to your so friends. True. Something I think we'll probably I would say I learned in the pandemic, whether it be because of it or not, is like just talk to people, and people want to talk back. Like the right people want to talk back. Like right. It, it got, I, I got tired of, um, cause I was definitely guilty of before the pandemic, just like shouting to the world, like to try to get somebody to listen, but not really talking to anybody. And then now I'm like over that. And I'm like, I'm going to talk to you and people, you know, and like, if somebody says they want to come to my next concert, I, I seriously, I get their number and I tell them about the next concert. Like that seems so simple. Like, I know. <laughs> like it does. it's like obvious though. This person says they want to come. Like you should invite yeah, them. Yeah, invite time. them next time. <laughs> it does seem obvious, and I always find myself in the space of like, well, I don't want to bother them. Oh my god, seriously, I, I was thinking about at the con- so the concert that we were talking about earlier, like um, the beautiful concert Sunday that I had. Like they didn't give a. Sh- I didn't know it was going to be streamed. It was streamed. I didn't know that. And at least like my grandma, I know, wants like the streaming link. So I was like about to send it to my grandma and I was like, at least you have an email list. Send it to your email, email list. list. It's a fucking concert, like a streaming yeah. concert. Like, and I wrote the email and I'm like, and this I is actually, happening right now. I, I know I, that email. I loved it. I actually like <laughs> hovered over that thing. And I was like, I like hesitated, you know, about sharing it. And I actually thought about even like just like it's not going to be perfect and like oh god like I'm, I'm gonna put this out and people I would say have told me will continue to tell me and will continue to be the kind of people who firmly believe that like that kind of concert is not the kind of work that you want to say you're, you're doing just even to say that it's like painful for me like it's not the caliber of the Met and it's not the caliber of la 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 and it's a community concert in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. And like, do you want to do regional work your whole life? Like, and it, it, it could have easily, I could have easily not sent that and been like, yeah, that wasn't really like, I don't want to, and I'm like depriving like my grandmother and my friends that have told me, like, I want to know about your next concert. Right. Right. I'm depriving them of that because like, of what some the met like what like right of right. what right and well and the other thing is like that whole narrative oh I have feelings 
This is like bringing some stuff up for me. I can feel it in my body. Um, but it's like important stuff. This is like really important stuff because it's like it, it comes down to shame, right? Mm-hmm. At least for me, it does. Like I grew up in a household where my voice wasn't uh, wasn't appreciated or wasn't welcome. And I was a highly sensitive kid who had a lot of big feelings and didn't know what to do with them. And I was constantly told to be quiet. And, you know, like it's not lost on me as an adult to be like, of course I'm in opera. Because <laughs> I found I've, I was seeking for a space to share all of me as big as I am mm-hmm. and not be told that I'm too much. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I found opera. Like mm-hmm. I was I have been like it has been a way for me to heal that try to find to heal that childhood wounding right but when it comes to sharing the work I'm doing you know and because there have been people in my adult life who have like continued to level this like accusation that all I care about is self-promotion and all because all you do is share on your Facebook Mm -hmm. you know about your next gig or whatever and unfortunately those are people that are like we're in my life and I've since learned like they probably shouldn't be in my life and if I can't for whatever reason, like completely get rid of them from my life. Like they need to have less space in my life Mm -hmm. because really what it comes down to, like that narrative center, like centers at its heart, the idea that we are doing this for ourselves Mm. and for our own egos. And I would venture to say that most of us are not, Yeah, we're not in this work or in this field for our own Mm self-glorification. Would it be cool to sing at the Met? (laughs) <laughs> to achieve the legendary status that Maria Callas has, right? But, like, Maria Callas wasn't singing for herself either. Right. Right? And, like, I, I'm do, I've i chosen this as a career despite all of the reasons that, like, a logical person would be like, this is a stupid choice. <laughs> um, because... For me, it's become the most authentic way for me to connect with people. Mm-hmm. I am a person who's very curious about other people's experiences and points of view. And like opera is a vehicle for creating vulnerable space mm-hmm. and allowing people to feel free enough to share with you mm-hmm. how they felt or what they're thinking about now or how their thinking has shifted and you know, and certainly, like, I've always said that I think there's a reason why a lot of uh, queer kids have found their way into the theater in whatever form, you know, because it, like, allow- has allowed us this space to explore parts of ourselves that we have to um, tamp down mm-hmm. in our real life. The audience might not understand that, like, the unbridled joy I feel singing a pants roll is because I get to, like, I, it was at a time an opportunity for me to explore my non-gender conforming right. self. They didn't know that. They just saw me fully oh, inhabit yeah. a role. And I was like, no, 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 no. When I dress like a girl, I feel like I'm in drag because mm-hmm. girl isn't the right word for me, you know? And so like, there's some beautiful power in what we do that doesn't have anything to do with me being like look I want to be in the spotlight right I'm just like everyone else trying to figure shit out and this is the pathway that I have found to figure shit out Mm -hmm. yeah it was so well firstly that's sorry for rambling thank you for all of that (laughs) I want to acknowledge that firstly and immediately my thought was like someone said after the concert like 
you know, your second piece, your first piece is great, but your second piece, just like, you really are a great actor. It's like an emotional piece for me. And like, I, my immediate thought was I was not acting. Like I'm not acting like, right. I don't feel, I feel the same as you. Like I'm not doing this like for attention. I hate attention. Actually, I do it because I love like the connecting and that's like my number one word. And like, I'm not acting when I, when I cry, like I'm crying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. actually crying. crying. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Like, I'm glad that <laughs> you are connecting with it, but it's, um, yeah, it's, um, I I'm can't wait to release this episode and like hear what other reasons people have for being in theater and opera and and what they feel, you know, about like this quote unquote acting and this quote unquote like wanting attention and Yeah, I mean there's a there's a I mean I think it's what is it an unexamined life is not worth living is mm-hmm. the quote. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think like as artists it's particularly important for us to examine our why. Yeah. You know, and to just be really confident in that for ourselves, even if there are days where we doubt it. Yep. Because there are voices that want to make us doubt it. Um, sometimes it's in our own head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but so like know our why and know the how of our why. Yeah. So yeah, we're curious to hear what it is for you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My So-Called Opera Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us keep making more, because this content creation shit ain't free, y'all, you can show us some love by rating and reviewing the podcast. This helps get the word out to more badass artists. Share with a friend. Word of mouth is the best advertising and a free way to support us. Double win for empowering your colleagues and being a responsible follower. Buy us a coffee fuel our coffee obsession and our Instagram live coffee chats with a one-time donation of any amount or bust that starving artist myth by becoming a sustaining Patreon member. This option is so impactful to the ongoing creation of our podcast that we offer you early access to ad-free episodes and more. You can become a member for as little as $3 a month. Still can't get enough of us and want to add your voice to the conversation? Join us over on Instagram at Podcast. This podcast is edited by Joshua Wise and produced and hosted by Elise Mark and Marcel McGurk. Stage Time is the professional hub for the performing arts and is a growing community of 4,000 plus opera singers and classical musicians arts administrators, agents, production staff, and beyond. Set up a launch-ready portfolio in under 10 minutes. A growing list of over 100 arts organizations accepts a stage time profile in lieu of a website URL. Unlike a static website, stage time allows you to connect with collaborators, showcase your skills, source or be sourced as the right talent, and center your creative practice. StageTime is available on any web browser or on the App Store and on Google Play. Search StageTime to stay connected to colleagues, mentors, students, and friends from anywhere in the world. The arts industry is waiting for you on StageTime.